Kevin, thanks for being on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. It's my uh, first podcast. So really? I hope right. I do it right. Yeah. Cool. Well, <laughs> so we were just chatting. You know, last time we met in person, you were with a company called ShopIgniter. That's right. Yeah, and That's so right. We were, That's right. I was kind of That's looking right. at your LinkedIn before this, and you've had probably probably five or six yeah. gigs since then. Yeah. But I want to know more about Regato. I know it's been around a little bit, but um, it's kind of taken a new turn, so I won't see uh, you talk about that, but also really your path to here. So I guess to start, can you talk about a little about, about Regato and what you guys do? And Well, certainly. Um, so I run sales and marketing at Regato, and uh, Regato is in really interesting space. We create uh, wireless building blocks for companies that are uh, building IoT applications. Okay. And um, a lot of our wireless building blocks are around like low power, so Bluetooth and Thread and Zigbee, sort of the last hundred feet of the of the IoT space. And um, traditionally, that's been a lot in consumer and maybe smart home, but a lot of those are now making their way into commercial and industrial. So things like connected retail and asset tracking and smart lighting for okay. buildings. So Regato makes uh, hardware and software to help companies connect all that stuff more easily. And the hardware is stuff like certified modules to put into lights or or wearables and uh, and the software is tools to manage and configure those things and so, so the company started in salem right and it did it did um 2010 and started as a a custom wireless shop so um a, a very talented group of folks who came mainly out of garmin um were doing custom rf wireless design Kind of a funny side tangent. The uh, the founders uh, Justin and Ben actually set the world record for Wi-Fi long distance back when they were in high school. Interesting. Yeah, I okay. think it was 100, 127 miles. I think, which is well, it's a lot of Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, so then years later, they they formed Regato. So really, a lot of expertise in wireless. And then after five years of building everybody else's custom IoT stuff, said, you know, we've learned some stuff. So let's make some building blocks that people can use in a repeatable way. Uh, and that's uh, and that's when the company turned from custom work to products okay. uh, that are sold uh, direct and through distributors, and then you know some professional services to help implement and tune those. So are they are the founders from Salem? So I'm always yeah. curious how this organ connection comes about. And so yeah, they were. Um Ben Carrado um, was at uh, Garmin in Salem. They have, I think it's an avionics division there. And so, and then he, when he started Regato, um, he uh, lured away some top talent from that office as well. So, which has actually been great. I didn't spend much time in Salem. Uh, and now, you know, we're there uh, at least every week. And a uh, great group of engineers um, down there doing hardware, firmware, and software have a lab with you know, Faraday cage and a semi-anechoic chamber and all these other great words I've learned in the last year. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's, uh, it's really cool. Yeah. And, then the, and it's about split between uh, there and the Portland office uh, where we do most of the sort of uh, accounts and, uh, and professional services work. Got it. Yeah. And we're sitting in your Portland office overlooking the Willamette River and it's very cool office. And you, you know, like you said, most of your business operations are here. But so you're the chief revenue slash Chief marketing officer, correct slash yeah. business operations. Make the later. money. Yeah. <laughs> and you, how long have you been with them now? Uh, it's been a year. I think okay. it was a year last week actually. Okay. Um, and so yeah, to your to your question about the path. So um, with Shop Igniter as an example, uh, I've spent the last, I guess probably eight years 
in early stage companies here in Portland in, in, in different kinds of roles. Uh, some on the uh, more uh, investing and, and accelerator side, which is what Upstart was about, uh, jumping into some of those companies uh, like Tripify or Shop Igniter, typically running sales or marketing or both. Um, and then uh, and then I took a break from the startup world um, uh, about a year and a half uh, last year. I was at SurveyMonkey. Right. Which was interesting. That yeah. That was sort of like a score for a big company, a real job, you know? Are and they still here in Portland? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's funny. A lot of people, how would you know? But there's a couple of hundred SurveyMonkey folks in Big Pink. And uh, this is where most of the customer operations are. And it's also where the, the business-to-business uh, sales has been centered. And uh, Interesting. And, they, and SurveyMonkey has a whole fascinating um, market research business. Uh, helping companies do right. really quick turn research. Right. You know, people, you know, use, the word disruptive is so overused, but but to actually be able to do a study about a product preference in um, six hours instead of six months is crazy, right? Yeah. And so uh, so that was really interesting. And so diving into the world of market research and understanding right. how it's changing and and how that fits with with uh, CPG companies. So. A long way of saying that I, I'm drawn to kind of industries in transition or technologies that are reshaping how business works. Mm-hmm. And um, I like it when it's a little messy and things are moving fast okay. and companies are trying to figure out how do we fit and, and what can we do with this? And companies are trying to figure out how to use that technology. So that's been my path from um, from e-commerce to enterprise SaaS to social media and then to market research and now IoT. Yeah. And so back in SurveyMonkey, I want to ask once again is what's their connection to Portland? So they actually, they didn't start here. I might get this a little bit wrong, but the the founders, the Farley brothers, um, is that right? Uh, No, close. (laughs) Um, They, uh, but they, um, they came from the Midwest and they set up shop here early, like 97, 98, and then quietly built a heck of a business here uh, with an office, actually, I think just off Lovejoy. Yeah. And uh, and then when they took investment from uh, the Bay Area and, um, and, and SurveyMonkey started growing from, you know, tens of people into hundreds of people, the official headquarters moved down to Palo Alto, now it's in San Mateo. But this is still... Um, cultural hub yeah yeah and an awesome group of people awesome awesome company awesome group of people yeah so you know your path to portland we're chatting before this too that you lived in new york and so how what got you and your family here i guess so we were yeah so we're mainly in san francisco we my wife and i went to school down there and then um i fell in love with the web thought i wanted to be a lawyer fell in love with the web and so then worked on Internet, e-commerce, web measurement uh, from 96 to 2002. And we got to go to New York for a year to open up an office in 99, which was awesome. Living in New York was great. Kind of a year was sort of the recommended serving size for us. But yeah. um, but uh, but then, as you may have heard, uh, 2001, 2002. <laughs> wasn't so good. Yeah, e-commerce. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it was, was right-sized. Is that the word? Um, so I, I was fortunate um, to still... Uh, still have a job. Um, but the company that we had built had gone, uh, from 11 to 350 and back down to 11. Wow. uh, Which was a really interesting experience. Um, you know, looking back now, I think 
that was probably formative for me from a from a marketing and sales perspective and market development perspective in ways that I probably underestimate you know to have gone through this really really fast boom and then and then bust um slight tangent when we went to open the New York office we got there in December we started in January and we had 100 people in that office by I want to say August so I think about like oh we're hiring fast but like back then you're hiring 10 people, 12 people a month, yeah. um, even more, 20 people a month. Um, so things moved very quickly. Yeah. So anyway, after that happened, um, my wife and I actually had a, had a one-year-old. We're living in Noe Valley, and we were like, what? Uh, so why are we here other than this is where we started? And you could kind of see down the road for the, the sales and marketing person in, in, uh, in the valley would meant, well, Maybe we'll go, I'll go work in Mountain View and maybe we'll move down to Burlingame and, or maybe we could move up across the bridge. And so anyway, we said, before we go down that path, which is looking pretty well-worn, um, why don't we go have an adventure somewhere else? If we like it, we'll stay. If we don't, we'll know why we move back. But right now we're sort of here because it's path of least resistance. So we had been to Portland a few times, loved it. My wife grew up in Southern Oregon. She grew up in Grants Pass. Okay. And, uh, I'm from Grants Pass. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. We'll have to compare <laughs> yeah. those notes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we had had really good times here. And then uh, so we said, let's go to Portland. And uh, came up and spent the summer you know, looking for a job and looking for a house. And uh, yeah. 13 years later. Once again, summer of Portland seduced someone. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It never rains. Yeah. It's always 74. Yeah. yeah. But you've been great. here, you said 13 years now. Yeah. And that story yeah. is, is you know, very common uh, with Portland and it's a great place. So I do want to kind of transition into talking a little bit about Portland and how it's grown. And, you know, you are someone that's frequently quoted about the tech scene. I know you you've obviously worked for a lot of kind of startup and tech companies. So. Have you, as you've been here and you've worked for these companies, you've been involved in investment, what's your thoughts where we've been and where we're going? And I know a lot of, you know, we're getting a lot of satellite offices open here. So we had a discussion about, you know, the strategic yeah. leadership might not be here for these companies, but is that a good thing? Pros and cons, just. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's something we've been talking about or, you know, at least I've, I've been in that conversation for 10 years. Yeah. Now, it feels like, and it's interesting. Some of it's changed. Some of it hasn't. So I think some of the things that um, haven't changed about that landscape are uh, we still, there are some things we don't have that um, that define the landscape a bit. So we don't have uh, big technical schools that crank out thousands of engineers every year, right? Which, which uh, you have in the Bay Area and you have in you know, areas like Boston. And to an extent, you even have, you know, in Austin, which yeah. I think people compare us to a lot. So there's not, that's one engine we kind of, we kind of don't have. Um, there's also uh, a lot less capital here than the Bay Area or Seattle or, uh, you know, and, and I think that's important. I don't think it's as gating a factor as, as it, uh, some people make it out to be, but I think, um, it changes the way the landscape works. Um, uh, and then I think the third one is, um, we don't have, we don't have a bunch of big companies, right? You know, we have two or three big companies, and then we don't have a lot of big-ish companies. Then we have a lot of kind of medium and smaller companies, and the effect that has on, especially I think, sales, marketing, and product is that there aren't there aren't as many places for people to go spend five, six, seven years 
and then come out with discipline and experience and then go plug in somewhere. And that's a lot of what happens in, in, in the Valley is, oh, you know, company is entering its growth stage, needs to go hire a great product manager, and they've got a list of people who spent five years at, at you know, Google or Salesforce or Picket, and then they can come, can come do that. So we don't quite have that training ground in the yeah. same way, but I think, uh, so anyway, so those things are all true. That said, I don't think any of those things are as much a limiting factor as, as people um, sometimes make them out to be. Um, I think um, where they become challenging is if you decide that you're going to compete with the Silicon Valley folks from Portland, okay. which is something yeah. I've tried to pay attention to because we've certainly done it. Um, having, having worked in companies that were at this sort of, um, you know, the, the early edge of, of social and the early edge of, um, of in this case, IOT, uh, it's easy to get sucked into that. And then you find yourself competing with companies that have a lot more resources and a lot more, a lot more investment. Right. And I, uh, I think that is something to pay attention to, um, which is to say, find ways to compete on your terms, not their terms, because, uh, we are not, uh, um, there's other things to play other than the big money game. Mm-hmm. And so I think, um, I think what, what Portland companies, uh, makes us be a little bit more strategic and thoughtful about, about where and how we choose to, to beat those guys. Yeah. So. And you also brought up, uh, kind of the talent. Now, mm-hmm. I want to say issue, you said the training ground. So I know you guys hire engineers and how are you seeing a better pool of talent because a lot of people are moving here or are you still recruiting from outside the area? I think there's great talent in Portland. I'll say, you know, it was interesting in the, in the roll it survey monkey. I had, um, I had a team in Portland and I had a team in San Francisco and both were great. And, but I had to hire and build out those teams. And so I got a, a sense for what it was like to hire and source in both. And, um, I will say I think um, one of the advantages that I see from the talent pool in Portland is, yeah, there aren't as many big companies here. And people who have worked in a discipline like sales or marketing or business development have probably done it two or three places yeah. because that's how it works here, you know, mm-hmm. um, which means they have a little bit more perspective. They're a little bit more well-rounded, if you will. They've probably done the, they've probably done it in a few different contexts. And I think that's really, really valuable. Um, whereas if you go somewhere, it's a bigger pond, you might have some, yeah, I've been doing business development. It's really been in this, you know, the same company doing the same thing for seven or eight years. I think that's less interesting. Yeah. And so, um, so I think it is a little bit different landscape, but I, I think it favors more and more interesting and well-rounded experience. Yeah. Well, shifting a little bit, uh, to, and you guys are in the IOT space and that's obviously been Kind of a hot topic. A lot of people don't really know what it is because it's not a, it's not a consumer thing that yeah, they're yeah. using every day. So yeah, and you guys are more in the, the kind of the, maybe the BDB space part of it. But you know, what's your vision or thoughts on how that's going to be you know play a part in people's everyday lives in the near future? Yeah, right. Years. I don't get to go out thirty years. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it's really interesting. So I, I for me. It's hard not to compare it to early days of internet and in terms of both the hype and also the inevitable effects. And so, um, you know, and, and 
to, to, to make that comparison, there was a time early on in the internet where it felt like, well, you know, why would I need an email address or why would, why would I use a web browser? Why would I, certainly why would I need a web browser on my phone? And then a whole bunch of hype about, oh, this is all, this is the only way you'll ever shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But then, doom, 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 you know, 20 years later, well, yeah, of course, if, you know, why wouldn't I shop online? And what would I do with a phone that didn't have a web browser? So these things, they, they take time. I think the version of that for IoT is that um, it's becoming cheap enough to connect anything. And, uh, you know, we make, we make these wireless modules that allow you to plug them into literally any piece of furniture or connected piece. And, and it depends, but let's say they cost $3. So it costs $3 to connect something that then you can track and know if it was being used and uh, it could help you gather more information about what's going on in its environment. So as that cost has fallen, it, the question is not, hey, should this be connected? It's almost like, well, why not connect it, right? Why not have these lights be control, uh, controlled or monitored um, if they need to be? And so once that flips over, I guess what I see happening in the not-too-distant future is that everything that is connected will be relevant in a different way, in the same way that things that are online are relevant in a different way. And so once once that starts to happen, um, I think we'll start to take it for granted in a good way. Of course my car is connected. Right. You know, and then... I, I know where it is, and and if it's those issues, someone knows where to find it, and it can tell me things about you know what kind of service it needs, and that becomes pervasive. So that's a big shift, yeah. And, you know, and depending on which analyst you believe, it's it's fifty billion connected devices, or it's it's a hundred billion connected devices, but that's a lot of devices. And so figuring out how do you actually get all those things connected and managed and functioning. In a in a reasonable way, um, it's a really interesting problem. Yeah. There's power problems, there's connectivity problems, there's management problems, and so what we're trying to do is is solve some of those problems, especially for sort of the last hundred feet or so, because the way things connect in this room is different from how the way things connect in a you know smart city yeah. uh, or in a, a set of you know agricultural fields. So yeah, and so the, I mean the company's been around ten years. So probably when your founder started thinking of this, it was really early. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and now I mean your timing's probably yeah still so a little early. In twenty ten, yeah. you know, trying to and they started early on with um, Bluetooth low energy. So Bluetooth low energy is is different than the the Bluetooth in your headphones. It's more like the uh, the way a you know a Fitbit uh, connects yeah. to a phone and, and shares data and stays connected. And so. That was really early on. And, and I think, so, you know, kind of from a marketing perspective, I enjoy watching and, and working on the sort of evolution that seems to have a pattern between, you know, can we make this work? And it, everything is very custom and everything is very handcrafted. And, and, and then you go from that customization to sort of a standardization and the whole market says, okay, yeah, this is how it works. And these are the paradigms. And it, it turns out there's a three tier architecture. Or it turns out that there are different types of solutions that fit together in a certain way. And then that standardization is when products come and ecosystems form and businesses can spend money on it. And then at some point down the road, you get into more commoditization right. of certain parts, at least. Eh, you know, storage is storage or, you know, 
uh, data processing is 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 predictable and, and gets cheaper. But that that shift from um, from customization to standardization is super interesting. It's sort of the figuring out part, mm-hmm. and so that's the part we're in now. Right, and, and and that's the part we're in with these low power wireless devices and with IoT in general. Um, and th- and there's a couple other IoT companies in the neighborhood doing different things. Yeah, right? yeah, right. But, and yeah. so it's it's interesting. Once again, uh, in Portland, we have these great things going on. And kind of the final thing I want to ask is getting back to investing. I know you're have been involved, kind of in angel investing. Is that right? Yeah, or you yeah. still are. And so, what? Yeah. How involved are you? And what kind of things do you personally look for when you're Kind of investing in companies and specific to Oregon, maybe some interesting really early, yeah, sure. Companies or? So I've um, I haven't done a lot of investing personally. Just a couple of pieces. I've worked a lot with Angel Oregon, and then when we did Upstart, we we effectively invested as a team and with our investment partners in in early stage companies. So um, yeah, it's it's a good question. I, I one things I learned working on the Upstart accelerator piece is that um you have to have an investment thesis and every every type of investment company you know be it angel or early stage or vc has a different angle and then within that they have their own thesis about a market or a type of investing it's kind of fascinating actually you you know if you you talk about that with them it's like oh it's it's all about the follow-on or it's all about getting an early chip on the table or it's all about you know just Make a hundred investments and see what happens. You know, and it's you know, um, it's a strange business. Oh, it's 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 fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, I think that um, you know, I've always favored um, make making fewer investments in in companies and teams that um, that uh, maybe are a little bit lower risk, but. Um, but higher um, uh, higher probability of getting to you know two two or three steps down the road. I think um, which is different, which is a more of an accelerator kind of model um, than say, hey, I'm going to you know put a hundred bets and hope one of them is the next Google. Um, and part of that is that the the hundred bets home run game is really a big money game. Um, and that's hard to do a hundred bets if you're not starting with, you know, a couple billion dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's fascinating, um, how those different investment approaches, I think, shape businesses. And so one of the things that, um, we learned to pay a lot of attention to, so you're talking to a company that, uh, is seeking investment to go into a certain space, looking at the other companies and investments in that space and saying, what kind of game are they playing? Because if you if you invest in a company that uh, might be playing the sort of smart and steady, I'm going to build a, a a good profitable solid business, but the companies are competing with took in a hundred million dollars and they're playing the swing for the fences right. game, then then those other companies might be willing to do things for free for as long as it takes, which would prevent your company from building that sustainable business. Because they can't charge for the kinds of things they should be able to charge for. That is crazy. Does like that make a, sense? Yeah, it's like a financial arbitrage a little bit. Yeah. And, and, just, and, yeah. and I guess that's part of what I mean, getting back to like, be careful if you find yourself competing with, you know, quote, Silicon Valley. That, as a marketer, that's one of the biggest effects is, hey, this is a really valuable thing. I want to go create a market and a service around it or, or, or a business model around it. 
oh, but if there's a company that's willing to do it for free for 10 years because mm-hmm. they know one day it's going to be valuable, that might be tough. And especially in hot spaces like IoT or, or social, um, that's a pretty common way that big companies, um, you know, uh, make their long bets. Yeah. So something to pay attention to. Interesting. Well, Kevin, thanks so much for doing this. It was a really interesting conversation, so I appreciate it. Yeah, super fun. Thanks for having me.